0: Stoic practice is distinct from academic philosophy because it is a way of life, an art of living, supported by a holistic philosophical system. The Stoics never intended their system to be a primarily intellectual endeavor, nor was it created as a quick-fix, self-help program. This is obvious from the surviving Stoic texts. Unlike academic philosophical tomes, the writings of Seneca, discourses of Epictetus, and meditations of Marcus Aurelius challenge and inspire us. It is quite apparent that something profound motivated these Stoics to live uncommon lives. And for 2,000 years, their lives have encouraged people like us to live up to our full potential as humans, who are capable of developing moral excellence and experiencing true freedom and well-being. Nevertheless, the path Seneca, Epictetus, Marcus, and other ancient Stoics trod toward that goal was not an easy one. As Pierre Hedot suggests, the practice of Stoicism will, quote, turn our entire life upside down, end quote. While contemplating what that means, an image I found helpful was that of a farmer tilling a field. The process of tilling turns the soil upside down. And that serves several functions to help cultivate crops. It disrupts the root structure of existing weeds. It breaks up and loosens hardened soil. And it exposes fresh soil that is better able to absorb nutrients and support the growth of new seeds. Interestingly, these functions are analogous to cultivating our psyche so that it can bear the fruit of moral excellence. If a Stoic practitioner neglects to till the field of their psyche, and instead scatters the seeds of Stoicism across untilled soil, they are unlikely to get the crop yield promised by the Stoics. Eudaimonia The initial excitement that comes from seeing the first signs of a plant breaking through the soil may be short-lived. That is because the seeds, scattered on hard, untilled soil, may grow shallow roots, if they can penetrate the soil at all. These new seeds are forced to compete with pre-existing weeds for water and nourishment. This, again, is analogous to the modern Stoic practitioner who tries to apply Stoic sayings and techniques to their mind that is still entangled with the pre-existing psychic weeds from a lifetime of false judgments, wrong desires, and irrational fears. Many people come to Stoicism in the 21st century looking for psychological techniques, mind hacks, or inspirational aphorisms that will help them overcome obstacles and achieve their pre-existing personal goals. Likewise, many seek a means of developing tranquility in our chaotic times. Judging by the current popularity of Stoicism on social media, it appears that many people are benefiting from applying Stoic principles and practices to help them get a better job or promotion, manage a company, become a better athlete, recover from a breakup, etc. However, what many moderns overlook is the fact that seeking those externals is not the goal of Stoic practice. In fact, as Epictetus teaches us in Enchiridion I, desiring and chasing after those externals will keep us enslaved and cause us to lament and have a troubled mind. Likewise, moderns may overlook the fact that others can apply those very same techniques to make them a better criminal, corrupt business person, tyrannical political leader, or an uncaring, disconnected human being. Therefore, we must keep this important truth in mind. If we apply Stoic techniques and practices to an untilled psyche, it will fertilize Stoic seeds and pre-existing weeds. To experience true well-being, our Stoic practice must be aimed at an excellent moral character rather than externals like health, wealth, office, and reputation. Stoic practice helps us develop new patterns of thought to replace old errant judgments misdirected desires, and disturbing aversions, weeds, so that we can develop our moral excellence, virtue, and experience true well-being, eudaimonia. However, for those new seeds of thought to flourish and produce fruit, we must discover and disrupt the root systems of those existing thoughts that create our psychological disturbances. That requires serious ongoing effort. It requires us to till the soil of our psyche. Again, when we scatter seeds of stoicism atop the hard ground of our psyche, amidst the weeds that have already taken root, and then use stoic practices, techniques, and mind hacks to fertilize those seeds, we are nourishing both the new seeds and the pre-existing weeds. The stoics never intended to help us achieve better health, more wealth, increased fame, or better reputation, etc. If we leave the desire for those externals in place, they will likely grow alongside the seeds of Stoicism. This means that the trees of our Stoic orchard will be competing with pre existing weeds, and they may never bear the fruit, moral excellence, that Stoicism promises us. That is why Stoic practice requires tilling the soil of our psyche. Stoicism requires us to turn the soil of our psyche upside down to disrupt those false judgments, desires, and aversions that enslave us and trouble our minds. Then, we can plant new seeds and reap a better harvest of well-being. To expose errant judgments, wrong desires, and irrational aversions, we must focus our attention, prosache, on them. Then, we can use the discipline of assent to uproot those weeds. Simultaneously, the discipline of desire will help us select only the best seeds to plant in that tilled soil of our psyche, seeds that can produce moral excellence. Finally, we can apply the fertilizer of Stoic practice to the fresh soil and new seeds. That is the path of the prokopton, and the Stoics promise that it will bear fruit. To do so, however, we must understand and apply all three fields of study. logic physics, and ethics. The ancient Stoics offered the simile of an orchard to represent the holistic nature of the Stoic system, for good reason. A Stoic orchard must be protected by a fence, built via the discipline of assent to impressions, which is logic, so that the soil and trees of appropriate desires, physics, can produce good fruit, ethics. In modern times, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, demonstrates the effectiveness of this ancient Stoic practice of examining and changing deeply held beliefs to affect change in one's behavior. As Aaron Beck, the founder of Cognitive Therapy, points out, our behavior is motivated by three levels of cognition, core beliefs, dysfunctional assumptions, and negative automatic thoughts. Quote, Core beliefs or schemas are deeply held beliefs about self, others, and the world. End quote. These core beliefs create a worldview, a map that represents the way the world really is. The connection between a person's worldview, their perception of the events, and their behavior is fundamental to CBT practitioners. Jean Baptiste Gorinat highlighted this connection in his 2009 paper titled Stoicism Today. He notes that, quote, One's behavior springs from one's view of oneself and the world and our psychological difficulties and disturbances derive from these views and from our misconceived perception of external events, end quote. The ancient Stoics understood the connection between beliefs, behavior, and psychological well-being. As a result, they developed a philosophical system that supported a way of life designed to develop an excellent character, virtue, and promote well-being. This way of life is far more holistic than CBT alone which does not prescribe or promote any particular model of reality. As I have pointed out in several previous episodes, Stoic theory and practice, as the ancients conceived it, rely on trust in a providentially ordered cosmos. Therefore, it is unreasonable to think that we can remove or ignore the Stoic worldview from their interdependent holistic system without changing the system as a whole. That certainly does not prohibit a modern from adapting Stoicism to an atheist worldview. However, such an adaptation will require significant modification to Stoic ethical theory and practices as well. Consequently, moderns who attempt to modify Stoicism in this way should be aware they are doing something the ancient Stoics did not conceive of, and their mileage may vary. As Pierre Hedot suggests, the Stoic art of living. Is an exercise that consists of a concrete attitude and determinate lifestyle which engages the whole of existence. He further points out, quote, The philosophical act is not situated merely on the cognitive level, but on that of the self and of being. End quote. He argues this conversion is one that turns our entire life upside down, changing the life of the person who goes through it. As a result, We can rise above our inauthentic condition of life, darkened by unconsciousness and harassed by worry, to an authentic state of life that includes self-consciousness, an exact vision of the world, inner peace, and freedom. I have dedicated the last seven years of my life to the serious study of Stoic theory and a consistent, albeit far from perfect, attempt to put that theory into practice. During that time frame, I have also mentored numerous students through the basic course at the College of Stoic Philosophers and tutored students through the year-long advanced course known as the Marcus Aurelius School. From my personal experience and my observations of those that I have mentored, I am convinced that the results one gets from the practice of Stoicism are directly proportionate to one's commitment to the Stoic path. A half hearted commitment to the Stoic path will not create the psychological resilience and greatness of character we see in the ancient Stoics. Why? Because, as Seneca points out, to fashion a Stoic who can genuinely be called a Stoic, a stronger fate is needed. For him, the way will not be flat. He must go up and down, he must be tossed by waves, and must guide his vessel on stormy seas. He must hold his course against fortune. Many things will happen that are hard and rough. On Providence 5.9 Why are trials and hardships essential to the Stoic path? Because, as Seneca notes, it takes the extreme heat of fire to purify gold, and trials and hardships are necessary to produce the type of men and women who can courageously embrace the events of nature and withstand the winds of Fortuna. The Stoic path is not for the faint of heart, the weak willed, or the timid soul who will retreat at the first sign of hardship. Quite frankly, those who are diluting the strong drink of the ancient Stoics to accommodate moderns who wish to sip a little of Stoicism and experience its promised well being without any of its bitterness are kidding themselves. Again, that does not mean Stoic techniques will not help one achieve some goals. It does, however, mean That watered down versions of Stoicism will likely not provide us with the excellence of character, strength, and subsequent well being we see exemplified in the lives of the Stoics like Seneca, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius. To achieve that, a stronger fate is needed. As the Stoics understood, every event is the result of a chain or network of prior causes. Likewise, our present moral character. Whether virtuous or vicious, is the product of a chain of choices we made about previous events in our lives. That chain or network of choices created our present moral character and its resulting psychological state. Happiness is the universal quest of humanity and it is the common goal of all who approach Stoicism. We want to escape the current state of our troubled minds and experience well-being. And the ancient Stoics tell us that that goal is possible, and they provide us with a path to bring it about. Unfortunately, we moderns want and expect the transformation from a troubled mind to tranquility to be quick and painless. We want the Stoic path to be smoothed out for us. We want the hard drink of the Stoa diluted to accommodate our modern taste buds. We want the gain with no pain. Unfortunately, we fail to realize that we are asking, essentially, for a miracle. We want that chain of causes, created by our choices, to be miraculously interrupted so we can experience well-being with minimal effort. We want the fruit of the Stoic orchard without tilling the ground, pulling the weeds, planting the seeds, fertilizing, and building a fence around the orchard to protect it. However, nature does not work like that. Therefore, Stoicism cannot work like that. We must replace the links in the chain of choices that created our current moral character and produces our present state of mind. This process will slowly develop an excellent moral character and subsequent well-being. The process will not be painless or fast. As Epictetus points out, the philosopher's schoolman is a doctor's surgery. You shouldn't leave after having an enjoyable time, but after having been subjected to pain. For you weren't in good health when you came in. Discourses 3.23 If you've been listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast for a while, I assume that you are serious about your intention to follow the Stoic path. Therefore, if you have hit a wall or reached a plateau in your Stoic practice, it may be time to refocus on the basics and return to the practice prosiche and the three Stoic disciplines. Those are the basic practices of the Stoic art of living. If your Stoic practice is not producing the transformation Pierre Hedot described above, you may have neglected to till the soil of your psyche as thoroughly as you could have. If that is the case, you may be attempting to apply Stoicism topically, as a balm, rather than an internal medicine for your psyche. Like most therapies designed to heal, you should expect that Stoicism will be somewhat painful. Maybe you are relatively new to Stoicism. You read a popular book about Stoicism, had an initial burst of progress, and then hit a wall. Alternatively, maybe you've been practicing Stoicism for many years and feel stuck at a plateau. Either way, the solution is the same. Return to the fundamentals. That is the reason that professional sports teams require their players to attend some form of training camp every single year, no matter how many years they've been playing the sport. If you watch what goes on in those camps, you will notice that they focus on fundamental skills of their sport. It is from the repeated practice of those fundamental skills that advanced skill develops. The same is true of Stoic practice. However, for the Stoic Prokopton, every single day is training camp, and every event that occurs gives us an opportunity to practice the fundamental skills of attention and the disciplines of assent, desire, and action. Additionally. If you've hit a wall or reached a plateau in your stoic practice, maybe you are practicing the correct fundamentals on the wrong field of play. Learning to tackle opponents and catch an American football with your hands will not help you in a soccer game. Likewise, the exceptional ball handling that signifies the skill of a soccer player will be useless in an American football game. The skills you practice and develop must be applicable to the game you intend to play. Could your difficulty be that the tools and techniques you are using to cultivate an excellent character were developed for an entirely different conception of reality, a different worldview? The ancient Epicureans and Stoics held diametrically opposing worldviews. As a result, their ethical practices diverged greatly. The Epicureans thought the universe was a fortuitous accident. In such a world, Avoiding the unpleasant aspects of society and seeking friendship among a group of like minded people to experience serene calmness, ataraxia, makes logical sense. On the other hand, if the cosmos has an inherent purpose and entails social duties, as the Stoics claim, then living in agreement with nature entails preparing ourselves to live within the turmoil of society. In this Stoic conception of the cosmos, There is a reason to live within society and expand our affinity to include all of humanity. In such a cosmos, our moral development and subsequent well-being depends on seeking the good of the whole as part of our developmental path. Have you given due consideration to the traditional form of Stoicism, which includes a purposeful cosmos that is providentially ordered? Please don't let words like God and providence scare you away. If you give it some serious, open-minded consideration, I suspect you will find the Stoic conception of the divine unlike anything you have been exposed to previously. I know that was true for me. Likewise, ignore those antagonistic atheists who have not even bothered to understand the Stoic conception of a providential cosmos. They may tell you the Stoic worldview is irrational, unreasonable, or unsustainable in the light of modern science. Please. Don't take their word for it. Do yourself a favor. Study and consider Stoic physics and theology for yourself instead of following the crowd and the popular Stoic authority figures. Do not rely on the pre digested thoughts of others, and that includes me. It is your responsibility if you're going to identify as a Stoic or claim to be following the Stoic path. To do so, you will have to dive into the actual Stoic texts and rely on reputable, recognized scholars of Stoicism to help you understand what those texts mean. As one reputable scholar recently pointed out, quote, There is a striking gap between the current understanding of Stoicism as a therapeutic, psychological endeavor, or at least a practical philosophical strategy, and what you would meet if you plunged into contemporary academic writing about the ancient school, End quote. You will have to decide whether you prefer the minimal Stoicism of the modern Stoic movement that follows in the heterodox tradition of Aristo of Chios, or the large Stoicism of the tradition established by Zeno, Cleanthes, and Chrysippus, which is presented by the credible scholarly sources and embraced by traditional Stoics. You may not like what you find in your exploration of traditional Stoicism. However, you will have come to that conclusion using your own mind instead of following the regurgitated opinions of others. Regardless of your conclusion, you will be better informed about Stoicism. The Stoics claim that their orchard was composed of three essential and interdependent parts. A fence, logic, to protect the orchard, trees and soil, physics, and the fruit of the orchard, ethics. The Stoics used this simile and others to make a point. Stoic fruit, ethical behavior, cannot be produced without trees and soil, an understanding of cosmic nature and human nature, and a fence, logic, to protect the orchard from intruders that may contaminate the soil and damage the trees. If your stoic orchard is not producing a good harvest of fruit, it may be time to till the soil once again. The seeds of stoicism you are planting in your psyche may not be getting the nourishment they need to produce fruit. It is also possible that your current worldview has innate limitations. If so, it may be time to seriously consider the Stoic worldview. Marcus Aurelius certainly thought that the Stoic conception of a providential cosmos was important to his psychological well-being. Twice in his meditations, while contrasting a providentially ordered cosmos with a random universe, Marcus seriously questioned whether life is worth living if the latter is true. As Christopher Gill points out, Marcus relied on the Stoic worldview for ethical and emotional support, and reminded himself of it to affirm his confidence in the universe as an ordered and providential whole, and thus support his normal way of life, based upon Stoic ethical principles. Ultimately, Marcus's repeated comparison of the random Epicurean universe with the providential cosmos of the Stoics expressed, quote, his concern with the ethical implications of adopting one or other worldview. In the Stoic simile of the orchard, physics is compared to the soil and trees. Now, obviously, an orchard cannot bear fruit without soil and trees. And that is precisely the point that the Stoics were attempting to make. Core beliefs make a difference in the way we view the world, the events that occur in our daily lives, and our fellow human beings. Marcus and the other Stoics trusted the providential nature of the cosmos and thereby followed, lived in agreement with, and loved the events of nature, even when they appeared bad or tragic to others. If your Stoic orchard is not yielding the fruit you expected, maybe it is time to till and rejuvenate the soil of your psyche. In your eagerness to produce the fruit of ethics, did you overlook the soil and trees, physics, that are necessary to produce the fruit? If so, maybe it's time to give the Stoic conception of a providentially ordered cosmos some serious, open-minded consideration. If the Stoics were correct, it will transform your practice and your life. Thank you for listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast. If you're interested in this ancient practice of Stoicism, you will find plenty of resources at www.traditionalstoicism.com. If you're interested in a social media environment where this form of Stoicism is discussed, please join us on Facebook in the Traditional Stoicism group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on the platform where you listen to this podcast. That tells others this podcast is worth listening to and thereby introduces more people to the ancient spiritual practices of the Stoics. If you have feedback or a great podcast idea for me, send me an email at chris, that's C-H-R-I-S, at Stoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you will continue exploring traditional Stoicism, where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine creative fire of the ancient Stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of Stoicism on fire.